0: This morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning. On this thought. This changes everything. Turn to the person next to you. Say, This changes everything. Jesus. I'm grateful for your presence here today, grateful that we could serve you, grateful that we're in relationship with you, oh Lord. Father, I love you, and I'm grappling, Lord, with what you've given me to preach, Lord. Help me, God, I pray, to preach your word, Lord Jesus, Lord, to be able to transmit, Lord, from you what you would say to our church, Lord God, what you would say to me, God. Because I believe, Lord, that this day, you're going to change someone's life, Lord God. And I'm excited about it. Have your way today, Lord, we pray. We ask in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. Thank you for worshiping the Lord. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of His people, amen. And so when we exalt Him, when we lift Him up, we are building Him something for Him to come and inhabit, amen. I like to think that we are building a throne for Him to sit on while we worship Him. And I've felt God's presence here, and and I'm excited about what God is going to do, amen. It's so good to see each and every one of you, amen. There's some visitors here today, and we're just so thrilled that you chose to come be with us today. At Hope Divine Pentecostal Church, our mission is to reach, make, and belong. We will reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? That is why we are here. We want to reach our world. We will make disciples, amen? Disciples that are just real people following God, not, not some pinup model that does everything right, right? But disciples, people who have real lives, but follow Jesus with all of our heart. And we want to create a community where people belong. It doesn't matter what walk you've come from, what your background is, whether your parents are black, white, yellow, green, purple, or blue, you're welcome here in Jesus' name. Amen. We want this to be a place where people can belong. Reach, make, belong. Turn to the person next. You say, reach, make, belong. That's what we're about. Hope Divine Pentecostal Church. Praise your Lord. I want to preach for a little while this morning on this changes everything. The phrase, and I will get to the scripture, don't worry. The phrase, this changes everything, is one that is used when something has occurred that completely changes the paradigm of normal life, completely changes the way you look at the world, completely changes your understanding, completely changes the way you approach life. It is a realization that something momentous has happened, this Changes everything, everything. For something to change everything, it means that not only will things never be the same again, but it also means that we cannot go back to the way that things used to be. There's just no point because the way that things used to be were not as good. The way that things used to be were not as effective. They were not as efficient. By way of example, this morning on December the 17th, 1903, near a town called Kitty Hawk in South Carolina in America, the Wright brothers built and flew the very first heavier than air aircraft, flying a powered aircraft with a gasoline engine and two propellers, 260 meters, only three meters above the ground. Many, many people thought that mankind being able to fly in a heavier-than-air aircraft was never going to happen. In fact, on October the 9th, 1903, just two months before the Wright brothers flew their very first aircraft, the New York Times ran an article in their paper. It was an editorial, and it said this, and I quote, it might be assumed That the flying machine which would really fly might be evolved from the combination and continuous effort of mathematicians and mechanics, approximately 1 million to 10 million years of work. They were saying mankind is not going to fly for another million years. It's going to take that long to work out how we can do it. And yet just two months later, the Wright brothers flew today. We fly aircraft all around the world 120 years later. Without even a thought, most of us probably just shut our eyes and go to sleep during the safety demonstration. We don't even think about how crazy it is to get inside a metal tube that's heavier than the air and fly through it. We don't even think about it. You could imagine the Wright brothers after that first flight looked at each other and said, this changes everything. We're not going to go back to the way we used to travel. We're not going to go back to the old way of doing things. On September the 28th, 1928, a scientist who was known to be very messy, a bit like me, very messy, came back from holidays and found that a mold had grown in his petri dish on the one that he'd forgot to close the lid on. He'd carelessly left it open. And that mold was producing an unknown substance that destroyed all the bacteria in his sample around it. Alexander Fleming had discovered the very first antibiotic bacteria killer. Almost by an accident he discovered it. A substance called penicillin. And penicillin to date, as of today, has been credited... With saving over 200 million lives since its discovery in 1928. And it continues to save lives today. Anytime you go to the doctor and he gives you an antibiotic, you can thank Alexander Fleming for being careless and leaving his petri dish open. And the discovery of penicillin completely changed medicine, completely changed how they would treat people with bacterial infections. But my friends, there was another development that happened in history that was far greater than any innovation in the field of medicine or science. There was another point in time that had a far greater eternal significance than any technological breakthrough in the history of mankind. Because my friends, there was once a time, Galatians chapter 4, and verse 3, the Bible says, when we were children in bondage under the elements of the world. There was a time, my friends, when we were in bondage to the elements of the world. And, and the way Paul is phrasing it in the Greeks, elements of the world, he's suggesting to his readers that they actually knew that they were in bondage. You see, it's not that we were blissfully ignorant and unaware of our condition. Mankind has been on a search for meaning since the beginning of time, in Paul's time. Some searched for it in the law of Moses. Some searched for it in pagan religions. Others searched for it in Greek philosophy, in our time. Some searched for it in religious tradition. Some search for it in money and in work. Others seek it in good times and partying. But mankind has always had an inbuilt understanding that something is not right. That something is not as it should be. That things could be better. And my friends, when the lights go out and the soul begins to get quiet, we don't exactly understand why things are not the way they should be. But there is something in us that knows it's not right. And Paul is saying because we don't know why we are children, we are slaves. We're held captive by the world. And I I don't think there is anything worse than knowing that something is wrong and not being able to fix it. We were in bondage under the elements of the world knowing that something was wrong and not knowing how to fix it. But then, something happened that changed everything. Hallelujah. Something happened that changed our paradigm because Paul writes... uh, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. Oh, my friends, hear me well now. There was a time in history where God says, Now is the right time. Now the fullness of time had come. Oh, and let me stop by telling you right away that phrase when the fullness of time comes meant that God had a plan right from the very beginning of time and I don't know about you but I'm so glad that we serve a God who had a plan that despite all our feeble attempts to save ourselves and despite everything we try to do to make ourselves better and despite the ways that humanity would try to distract itself and medicate itself to try and escape the feeling that everything is not quite right in our world. I'm so glad we serve a God who stepped out of eternity when the fullness of time had come and was manifest to save you and to save me. Hallelujah. When we couldn't save ourselves, God stepped in. When we couldn't help ourselves, God made a way. Hallelujah when we could see that we were trapped and in bondage to the elements of the world, God came through with a plan that He had before the foundation of the world. 1 Peter. Chapter 1, verse 20, it says, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest or made visible in these last times for you. My friends, when the fullness of time was come, God was manifest in the flesh. He was revealed. Why? To redeem those who were under the Lord. To buy back those who were held captive by sin. And I don't know about you... But for me, this changes everything. This changes everything. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible also says in Galatians that he was born of a woman born under the law. And that fact alone changes everything. My friends, because the God that we serve, this great God, the creator of the universe, humbled himself and became completely human just like we are. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 says, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, nobody humbled Jesus Christ. No one said, you've got to go down there no he made the decision himself he said I'm going to humble myself taking on the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of man the Savior that we serve, our God manifest in flesh, Jesus Christ was every bit a human like you and like me. He got tired like we do. He hurts like we do. He feels like we do. But here's why it's important because every other false God out there was above their people. They couldn't hear. They couldn't speak. They seemed indifferent to their people. They were distant from the people who served them but not our God because Because in Jesus Christ, the invisible was made visible and the unseen was made seen. And what was untouchable suddenly became very touchable. The one who dwelt in light unapproachable was suddenly approachable. First Timothy 3.16 Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ came to earth and He was born of a woman. And that changes everything because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like we were, yet without sin. Oh, my friends, hear me today the person who's struggling, the person who doesn't know how to take the next step, the person who isn't sure what tomorrow is going to hold. Jesus Christ knows what you're going through. He sees your struggles, He sees your weakness. He sees your failures. And yet He is uniquely qualified to represent us because He was one of us. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man of Christ Jesus. Don't lose sight of the fact that He was a man. Don't lose sight of the fact that He knows what you're going through. Don't lose sight of the fact that He understands because He was one of us. One God, one mediator. He can serve as our mediator because the Bible tells us not only was He born of a woman, but He was born under the Lord. The law of Moses was in force at the time and it represented the clearest revelation of what God's will was for His people. And yet nobody could keep it until Jesus came. Jesus Christ was the only one because He was without sin. We read it before in Hebrews. He was tempted in all points like we were, yet without sin. Jesus was the first one and the only one who could be perfect before the Lord and perfect as a human and as such was the only one who could be the sacrifice to redeem those of us who were stuck under the law and under bondage to human, the human elements of this world. When the human race was in bondage, when we didn't know which way to turn, when we couldn't see our way out, and we were on our way to an eternity separated from God, there was only one who could save us, but we. See, Jesus, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 says, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that He, by the grace of God, could taste death for everyone. The cost of your redemption and the cost of my redemption was the blood of Jesus Christ, the only One who could and the only One who would. A lamb without blemish and without spot Paid the price for you and for me. And my friends, this changes everything. What does this redemption give us? Sure, it gives us freedom from the slavery of sin. If that's all it was, I would rejoice in that. It gives us an eternity with Jesus. Yes, i love that too. And if that's all it was, I'd love that as well. But there's something so much more that God had in mind. Galatians chapter 4, where we started reading, verse 5, it says to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons, and because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, brothers and sisters. The blood that Jesus shed for you and me does not just wash us from our sins. His blood does not just mean that we're holy and righteous. No, it means we are adopted by God. We have received adoption as sons and daughters of the Most High God on the cross. What Jesus accomplished for us was far greater than just a change in status no he accomplished a change in relationship we were enemies now we're his sons we are distant but now we're his daughters now my friends we can be in covenant relationship with our father a change in relationship is what jesus accomplished and this changes everything Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 goes on, says, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then heirs of God through Christ. This changes everything. We're no longer a slave with no rights of adoption. We're no longer slaves with no rights of inheritance, but we are sons and we are daughters of the most high. God, we have not just been set free, but we've been adopted. 1 John chapter 3 verse 2 says beloved now are we the children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but we know when he is revealed we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is my friends that's the inheritance that we get from being the sons and the daughters of God that one day the trumpet's going to sound the clouds are going to split open oh we're the children of God right now but we're still waiting for our inheritance and when the that trumpet sounds, the church will be gone, and we'll be with Jesus forever, rejoicing around the throne, worshiping Him, adopted as sons and daughters. What Jesus did for us completely changes the dynamic between us and God, where before we had no access to God. Now in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the helper. We're adopted. We don't have to cut ourselves off from the presence of God. We're in covenant relationship with Him. He wants to hear from His children. He wants to have us before His throne. He wants to hear from us. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Where before we could not come before the presence of our holy God. Therefore brethren Hebrews chapter 10 says in verse 19 having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Oh my friends hear me well we are his sons and his daughters and we have access to the holiest places of God. We can be in his presence like nobody else can because we have been adopted. Because we are the sons and daughters of the most high God. We are in covenant relationship with him and he is a covenant keeping God. This is what he promises his sons and daughters. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 this is the covenant. I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people in covenant with God. Because of what He did for us, this changes everything. This changes everything. As I get ready to close this morning, why don't we all stand? Here is my question for you today. Does this change everything for you? No, keep it going, bro. Does this change everything for you? Because of what Jesus did. Because he came. Because he lived. Because he died for you. Because he rose again. We can be in covenant relationship with God. God has done everything He can possibly do to open up the way for us to be in relationship with Him. But does that change everything for you? Where before the way was closed, now, my friends, the way is open. When we were doomed to be slaves to sin for the rest of our lives, in bondage to the elements of the world, now... We can be free. Now we can be washed clean. Now we can be restored. Now we can be part of the kingdom. Why? Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Does this change everything for you? Does this change everything for you? How do we identify with this God who has done so much for us? Certainly we can't continue our old lifestyle. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul asks, he says, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How, how shall those who died to live any longer in it? Jesus died. He was buried. And he rose again the third day. My friends, we too, we need to die. Not literally. But we need to die in repentance. We need to find a place that says, God, I recognize that I am at enmity with you. But, Lord, I also recognize that you have already paid the price for my sin. And so, Lord, I come to you. I lay my life down again on the altar. I surrender. Have you way in my life. Forgive me, Jesus. We need to repent. We need to turn from the ways that don't please God, the things that we keep hidden, the things that nobody sees and nobody knows but God and you. We've got to leave those things behind. We've got to repent. We've got to turn to God. And then after you die, you've got to be buried. You've got to be buried. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. My friends, after you have repented of your sins, And turn your heart to God. If you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus. Now is your time. Today is your chance. You can enter into a covenant relationship with God. And it's got to be in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 4 and 12, Nor is there salvation in any other For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. In Acts 2.38, of course, we know it, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, speaking to a bunch of people who thought they had no hope left in the world, said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because that's the next part of it. We need to be filled with the Spirit. You gotta be filled with the Holy Spirit. You gotta have the Spirit of Jesus Christ living in your heart. Second Corinthians chapter one. Verse 21 says, Now He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. My friends, that changes everything. That you can lift up your hands and surrender your life to the one true and almighty God, and He would somehow come and live in your heart. Oh, that changes everything. It changed everything for me. And it can change everything for you. I feel the presence of the Lord. I know God is working on some hearts right now. Someone has walked into this saying there needs to be a change. I'm here to tell you i got the change you need. Because this changes everything. The gospel of Jesus Christ will change and transform your life. Hallelujah. What Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus did for us opens up the way for us to enter into relationship with Him. And so this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed, as this